Um, if you guys can turn with me to Romans chapter 8, that's where the word is going to be preached from today. Romans chapter 8. And if you guys are there, you could just look up at me. All right. Everyone's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, I'm going to read one verse, and if you guys can read the next verse and so forth. Okay, we're going to start with verse 1, and we're going to go to verse 9. Okay, Romans 8, verse 1 to 9. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells within you. And we're just going to stop right there. How many of you know that if you were born again, you were born into the Spirit? You know, when we were baptized and we were uh, put immersed in the water and then brought back out, it's a symbolism of dying to the flesh, dying to our old nature. You know, tonight I want to talk about a very powerful concept that's calling shifting into the Spirit. Can you guys just say that shifting into the Spirit? I want you to just turn to your neighbor and say, shift yourself. That kind of almost sounds bad, doesn't it? (laughs) Mm. Let's just add that into the spirit at the end. (laughs) Into the spirit, okay. (laughs) You know, now the context of Romans um, here in chapter 8, we see two themes. One is flesh and one is spirit. Now, when I refer to the flesh throughout my message, I'm talking about uh, our sinful nature, the old nature, as well as just the natural, being natural circumstances. You know, what we would naturally do, how we would naturally respond. And when I'm talking about being in the spirit, what I'm talking about is our new self, Because it says in the word that we were created in the image of God. And when we were born again through the power of Jesus' blood, we were able to get back into that true identity. Made in the image, which means who God is, is is we mirror who God is. So when we're in the spirit, we have access to that identity. So that's what I'm going to be kind of referring to as I talk about flesh and spirit when I talk about those terms. You know, one of the key words in this passage, however, is not just flesh, not just spirit. But if you turn with me to verse chapter 5, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their, what? Minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their 
minds on the things of God. I want to tell you that your mind is extremely important in playing a role in how you live. In fact, your mind is important it actually in how you experience things. What kind of circumstance you go through. If two people go through the similar circumstance, but they have different mindsets, they might experience two completely different things. It says in, your, in the word here that we are called to set our minds on the things of the spirit. Now, if we set our minds according to the things of the flesh, what's the result? If you turn with me to verse uh, set, uh, 6. What's the result for setting our mind on the flesh? It is death. But to set the mind on the spirit, what's the result there? It is life and peace. Now, what I want to talk to you about is that we actually have the ability as believers to shift into the spirit. Now, what happens is we have a tendency to just stay in the flesh. We just let our circumstances, we let our old habits, we let just what we're going through dictate who we are, dictate our experience, dictate our outcome. But I'm saying that that actually, as believers, we have access to shift in the spirit. Now, let me give you an example. You know, I, uh, before marrying my husband, I used to uh, label myself as one just, that just gets sick all the time. I just get... I used to get sick all the time. Every winter, I just knew that I knew that I knew that I got sick. Actually, I'm like the, one of the few people that I know that would get a cold in the summer. I don't know how that works. I think it's the AC, uh, something like that. All I know is that I would be sick all the time. Now, what happens is when we get sick is physically we get the symptoms, right? All of a sudden, you got the sore throat. You got the runny nose. You got the eyes that are watering and your stomach that's not feeling good. And you're like, oh, I'm sick. And then you have a choice right at that moment to set your mind on A, the flesh, or B, the spirit. Now, when you set your mind on the spirit, what that looks like is setting your mind on just the natural circumstance. Well, what's going on right now is, yeah, I have these symptoms. Therefore, my conclusion is, what's truth is, I am sick. And your mind begins to believe that you being sick is truth. Now, what happens when you let your mind believe that you being sick is truth is you stay sick. And then all of a sudden your emotions come under submission to that. And now you're all upset that you're sick. And you're all cranky because you're sick. And you're like, ah, I'm supposed to go to Caribbean Bay, but I'm coughing. You know, and then you're just all, all victim mentality when you're sick. And you just don't feel good. And then you don't want to talk to your roommate because she's just annoying you because you're sick. And then you just have a bad day because you are sick. Now, if you have the symptoms of being sick, however, you shift your mind to the things of the spirit. What happens is you now allow the word of God to be truth. So rather than letting your natural circumstances, even though you're getting the actual symptoms of being sick, you say, you know what? I may feel sick, but the word of God says that by his stripes, I am healed. I believe that Jesus paid the full price for my healing. So I'm going to set my mind on that. And all of a sudden, your emotions are going to submit to that. And now you're feeling, you know what? I'm going to stay encouraged. And you're not going to let the devil steal your day. You're not going to let him steal your, uh, the way that you interact with people. You're not going to let him steal your, uh, dis- your joy. And all of a sudden, you're going to stay in that place. And your emotions are just going to be like, you know what? Mm, I am healed. <coughs> 
I'm healed. <laughs> I'm healed. But you shift, you set your mind on the things of the spirit and watch. The result is you will be healed. You know, we convince ourselves that we're sick and then we're surprised that we stay sick. But when we set our mind on the things of the spirit, what the word of God says to be true, our circumstances change. There is power in shifting into the spirit. Come on, turn to your neighbor. Shift into the spirit. <laughs> the mind is a very powerful place. And you know what? You know what the biggest battleground for the devil is? It's our mind. You know where he's going to try to get you? It's your mind. Because if he can mess with your mind, if he can get you to believe something is true that's actually not true, he knows that your actions, your emotions, your lifestyle is all going to come into agreement with that lie. You know, we were watching the movie Nefarious last Sunday, and they were talking about specifically sex trafficking that was happening in Eastern Europe. And how they would uh, deceive these women or kidnap these women or violently um, grab these women off the street and, and, and cause them to become prostitutes. But from being a regular woman on the street to a prostitute, there is a place called the breaking house. And what they would do is they take these women to what was called a breaking house. And in that place, they would rape these women. They would violently beat these women. They would make other women watch and basically, the purpose of the breaking house is not just to break your body, but it's to break your mind. Because they know that if they have your mind broken, your body is theirs. Then they don't need to physically chain you. You know what I'm saying? You don't need to be tied to a physical chain because your mind is chained up. The mind is a powerful place. Now, my question to you is, where have you been putting your faith? Are you giving more authority in your circumstances? Are you putting more authority in your physical, what you're experiencing physically, or even what you see? Or are you putting more authority on the word of God? On who God says you are? Shifting into the spirit is powerful. It is powerful. You know, there's three areas that I want to focus on where we can shift in the spirit. And it's going to radically change your life if you get this teaching and you believe it. The first way you can shift into the spirit is about your identity. Your identity. You know, the way that I identified myself for the longest time is, let's see, um, lazy, um, cheater. Cause I, like all throughout high school and college, I really don't know how I have my college degree. Cause I basically cheated my way through. I spent more time scheming on how to cheat on exams than I did studying. You know, I identified myself as promiscuous. I lived a very promiscuous lifestyle. Even though I was saved, I had a season of just utter rebellion. I identified myself as, as one that wasn't really fully loved in the family because I had a really terrible relationship uh, at the time, in my past, with my, with my mom in particular. And so I had this insane fear of even becoming a mother. Because I don't want to be like her. You know, there are things that I identified with, but you know what I let identify me? My circumstances. I let my habits, I let my, the things that I even did or would do, I de tell me who I really was. 
But at some point when God began to reach out to me and he was like, no, I love you. I love you. I love you. And I began to just turn my heart in such desperation because I hit such a rock bottom in my life. That I knew that I knew I needed God. Otherwise, I probably would have died. When I hit that place, all of a sudden, God was telling me, no, you are more than a conqueror. You are pure. You're my beloved one. And I was like, uh, hold up. Uh, do you know me? Do you know what I'm like? How, do you know what I have done? Because according to all of that, what you're saying doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It can't be true. I had to struggle with my identity because I was believing in so much lies. You see, my mind was so set upon the things of the flesh. It got so bad that I was in a relationship for four years when I was in college um, where I was in a relationship with this guy who was a drug dealer. And he wasn't a really good drug dealer because he did drugs. Okay, if you do drugs, you're not a really good drug dealer because basically you end up just doing the drugs that you want to sell. Okay, if you're laughing now, I know you know what I'm talking about. We'll talk after service, okay? <laughs> and so he, he was a drug dealer, and obviously he was my open door. That's where I got involved in drugs and all this stuff. And for me, I mean, I was doing ecstasy, cocaine, but really I was a pothead. Okay, and I just, yeah, I was just big pothead, and we would just get high, and we're like, yeah, this is great, I love you. You know, like, you're the one for me, and forget what we said <laughs> next day. Anyway, you know, when it comes to drugs, when you get a high, you come down. It's called getting a high and having a crash. Okay? And when you crash, you crash. And in these moments where we would crash, some of the things that he would say to me is just incredible. And he would point to, because he knew my history, so he would point to me and say, you know what? You are a, mm, you can fill in the blank, referring to my promiscuity. You can take a guess what he might have said to me, right? Now, the crazy thing is, people were always saying, why would you be with a guy who would say things like that to you? But you know what the truth was? The truth was I believed him. That when he said that over me, I thought, well, you know what? Yeah, that is kind of who I am. That's the life that I lived. And I'm just so thankful that you're with me. My mind was in such bondage to this young man. And it wasn't a one-sided abuse. I abused him as well, verbally. The things that I would say just to tear him down, just to make him feel this big. I mean, I preach now. I use my words to speak life, but I really use my words to speak death a lot. So much power in our tongue. And so I was in this relationship, and this relationship defined me. It defined me to the point where I couldn't see myself without this guy because I wouldn't know who I would be. I don't know if you guys ever been in a relationship like that. I hope you don't be in a relationship like that. That's what I call unhealthy relationship. But I was in an unhealthy relationship where I let all the things that I was doing, everything that he said over me, become my identity. Now, when I came out to Korea, it was my, my time to start new. I came out to Korea because God supernaturally brought me out to Korea and it was clear. He was calling me and he was saying, this is a new beginning for you. Even though I was in a new country, though, can I tell you that some of my old baggage came with me? And I was sitting in service and I was sitting there and everybody's worshiping. But all I could just think about was just all the stuff that I used to do. And how people would not understand me because you don't know me. You don't know what I've been through. 
And I just began to believe that there was a separation between me and the rest of the body because of who I was. I was so stuck on that identity. But you know, after going through uh, just the process of being in the church and going on missions, actually missions was the really big turning point in my life. I went to Cambodia and after that, I was never the same. It just forced the issue to be friends with people. And I was like... <laughs> Dang, <laughs> I got to talk to them. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. I love you guys. But you know, it, it forced the issue. And basically I began to really learn who I really was, who God really said I was. I began to take the steps to apply the power of the cross over my life. I began to repent. I began to turn away from the old patterns of my life, but I really had to shift my mind to believe that everything that happened was actually true because sometimes I would pray a prayer and then I'd feel awesome. And then the next day I would have certain thoughts again. And I'd be like, man, I did not change. There's just no hope. Why am I thinking these thoughts again? I thought, I thought I prayed the prayer. Maybe I'm just, this is just who I am. I'm one, I'm a person that struggles with insecurity. I'm a, I'm a person that struggles with lust. That's what I would say over myself, but it took just discipleship. It took going into the word and just having faith well, I was finally able to shift into the spirit and not base my identity on how I feel or even how I act or even what I think, but on what the word of God says over me. That changed my life. That changed my life. Some of you guys are so stuck in the wrong identity because you put your mind on the flesh. And you see yourself and you see the way that you're struggling with envy. You see the way that you're struggling to pray. You see the way that you're struggling to even read your Bible. Some of you open the Bible for the first time this Sunday, this whole week. And you're looking at yourself and you're feeling condemnation. You're saying, you know what? I'm a terrible Christian. What's wrong with me? That's my identity. And I'm saying shift into the spirit. Because who you really are is one that is more than a conqueror. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, shift into the spirit. Yeah, it's so like, shift into the spirit. Come on, say it with, shift into the spirit. <laughs> Get all gangster. <laughs> you know, when I started to believe that I was righteous, I began to live righteously. When I began to believe that I was a woman that was holy, I began to live a holy life. When I began to set my mind on those truths that I was more than a conqueror, all of a sudden I began to become more and more victorious over different areas of my life. But that where it started was I needed to shift my mind on the things to the, of the spirit. I needed to believe that. I needed to access that through faith. That man, you know what? Despite what I'm going through, despite even my behavior, God, your word has true authority over me. You know, when I began to take over the college ministry, it's called Emmaus. And uh, three years ago, right before Christian and I got married, uh, he was stepping up into a, a bigger position. Well, he was already a, a lead pastor here at New Philly, but he was going to, he was doing campus ministry and pastoring the church and going to seminary. Our first year of marriage, I really, I really saw you. shift into the spirit, you know? <laughs> no, I mean, he was very busy, but at one point he just felt the release to, you know what? I just, he, I just feel like you're called to lead Emmaus. He would say that to me. And I was like, huh? Uh, me? Oh, you know what I did in college? 
You know who I was in college? I was the one that all the college campuses would be like, don't go near her. She, oh, she smells like weed. Don't go near her. You know, she's... A, you know, I remember the first time I went to one of the campus ministry events. I went once. I went to one of the Christian fellowships and I walked in there and I was like, oh, everybody's judging me. And I'm like, wait a second. I saw half y'all in the club last night. I mean, I just felt so judged that all I could do was just judge back. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm going to defend myself and judge you. <laughs> but how, is a, how, how am I going to lead a campus ministry? How does that make any sense whatsoever? I don't even know what it's supposed to look like. I have no idea. And the next thing I know, God is saying, oh, you will lead the campus ministry. I'm like, what? Are you serious? God, are you high? (laughs) Obviously, he wasn't. (laughs) You know. But really, what, what, the reason why I was hesitating is because all I could see was my natural circumstance. My natural circumstance was, one, I had absolutely no, uh, no experience in ministry. I had no experience in directing a ministry, let alone, you know, doing ministry. I had no experience. I just felt like I lacked everything and anything that I would need to be a good college director. I was like, man, I don't have that, 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 and don't have that yet. I'm not, I'm not really faithful in that. And, oh, man, I just, nope, can't do it. I began to look at where I was at that moment, and then I began to set my mind on where I was at, and I wanted to stay there. But God had to challenge me, and he began to say, no, shift your mind and set it on the things of the Spirit, because in the Spirit, you lack absolutely nothing. I know that doesn't sound right, because we can probably name 20 things right now where we feel weakened. But you know, the truth is, in the spirit, you lack nothing. When you shift into the things of the spirit, you possess everything. That wisdom that you feel like you're lacking, that spirit of prayer that you feel like you're lacking, and you actually have full access to that. You just need to shift your mind on it. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. The first couple of years of doing Emmaus, I still stayed in that place. And almost every semester, I was expecting... Christian to be like, yeah, you're done. And, you know, we saw a lot of fruit and it was good, but I still convinced myself that, you know, we're only getting, we're only reaching this much people because I'm, I'm here. And I just continued to struggle and struggle with insecurity until Pastor Benjamin, Pastor Sonny came into my life. And I had spiritual mentors. I had pastors who were speaking into my life and they were saying, no, that's not true. And they began to just, it wasn't even anything new. All they would say is what the word of God says. And they would say it over and over and they would establish me in it. They would pray with me. And then all of a sudden, I kid you not, this past year, Emmaus has seen some of the most incredible fruit that we've ever seen so far. But nothing changed situationally, but where I put my mind did. And that actually changed everything else. Now, we need to change our, I mean, we have to shift into the spirit about our identity. Don't identify with what you're struggling with, but identify with the fact that actually you are victorious. See, what we do is when we identify more with our struggles, we're putting more faith in the devil than we are in Jesus. And we're saying, yeah, devil, you know what? You, you, you win. 
Yeah, I'm actually faithless. I'm not a faithful person. I suck at prayer. You win. We're putting more, you know, we're not a faithless people. We are putting our faith in something every day. But what are you putting your faith into? Are you putting your faith more in what the devil can do? Or what God can do in your life? And that just began to rock me. No, God, I feel this way. I've been acting this way. I've been thinking this way. But you know what? You are greater. You are bigger. When I set my mind on who you are and who I am in you, everything else will fall into alignment. You know, the second way you need to shift into the spirit is in regards to our relationships. You know, it's not just about Uh, identifying ourselves. Who are we in Christ? I'm talking about who are we to the body? What are our relationships like with our pastors? What are our relationships like with the body of Christ? Even with non-believers, what, how are you relationally? That's a touchy subject for some people, you know, come to church and we have these barriers. Guess what? You can come about this close. Okay. And when you say, Hey, how was your week? I'm going to tell you this much. But in terms of all of this, you don't know me. <laughs> you don't know me. You know, and we put these barriers and I, I want to really challenge you in shifting yourself into the spirit when it comes to relationships. You know, um, actually, I returned from California. Lisa Marcus and I, we had an awesome time in Cali. Life-changing. And I'm, pro- I'm pretty much preaching what we were soaking in and learning throughout our whole time there. But, it, you know, the three, uh, almost four weeks we were there in California, I just learned so much. So when we were getting ready to come back home, I was so excited to tell Christian, like, everything. I just imagined, like, you know, sleepover style, you know, like in our PJs. And be like, oh, hon, this is what I learned. This is what I got. And, and I was so excited to just share with him everything. And I was so excited to hear about Australia and what he did when he was ministering in Australia. And I was like, oh, it's going to be awesome. You know, and then I came home. And then, and then we, we started talking. And then we were sharing. And I was like, you know what? This is what I learned. And so I feel like we need to change this. And he's like, I don't think so. I was like, oh. But what about this? You know, God's been speaking to me. He's like, well, no, I don't think we're ready for that yet. And I'm like, oh. And I was like, oh. I, feel, I just started to feel so separated from him. I started to feel like, you know what? He doesn't really care what I have to say. I started to feel like, you know what? After, these, after being a month apart, there must have been some division or separation or something happened because I'm not connecting with him right now. And so we got a problem on our hands and I just begin to get just filled with all sorts of deception. And now instead of telling him and sharing with him everything that was going on in my trip, I began to not talk to him about it. I just began to, mm. oh no, it was good. Yeah, no. Cause in my mind, I was like, it's not like you care anyway. <laughs> it's not like my opinion matters to you. You know, like I was in all sorts of victim mentality. And I just convinced myself, I set my mind on how I felt. And I was like, you know what? That's truth. I feel like he doesn't care. Therefore, he must not care. And I just began to just step away and distance myself from my husband. Now, it got, it got pretty bad. And I was just really having a hard time getting back into the flow of being back at New Philly. 
I felt separated from everybody and the church and, and, and all sorts of things were coming at me. And I just was just sulking in it. And I was like, man, you know what? I feel like this is actually not true. I was like, some part of me, this must be an attack of the enemy. And I just, I just knew that it was an attack, but I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do. I didn't know how to get out of it. So I, I wrote this long email to Pastor Sonny. And I was like, Pastor Sonny, should I share with Christian? But he didn't even listen to me. And just, you know, on and on and on and on and on about my problems. And, you know, it was like this long email. And I, and I sent it. You know what happens sometimes? What we do is we tell ourselves our flesh needs to be satisf- satisfied before we shift in the spirit. So I told myself, when Pastor Sonny emails me back, then I'll shift. When I read her response to the email, then I'll be able to shift into what's true. I know I'm believing in lies, but you know, I don't have the ability to get out of here until she's, till I meet with, till I talk to her. We do that. We know that we're under attack. We know that the very things that we're feeling are not even true, but we say, you know what? No, I got to meet with my small group leader and she needs to counsel me for three hours before I can, I can, I can shift myself into the truth. And we give ourselves these little, um, uh, provisions of the flesh you know, we actually don't need to do that. You know, I sent that email and the moment I sent it, hmm, actually what happened was if I were to, if this was me about like a year ago, cause you know, I was waiting for her response. One day passed by, two days passed by. Thought, oh, she you know she's busy pastor and all, you know, three days pass by, four days pass by, a week passes by, two weeks passes by. Now, if that was me a year ago, you know what my conclusion would have been? Well, she doesn't care about me either. (laughs) Now I feel rejected. Now nobody loves me, you know, and I would have just set myself on that truth and just, uh, just planted my feet there and have a little victim party. Hey, I'm a victim. That's what I, how I probably would have responded. That's how many of us do respond. When we don't get things done our way, when we tell ourselves, oh, we can't shift into the spirit until I go to Sunday service and you wait a whole week being depressed, you know, and then Sunday service, you're like, okay, I feel better now. You know what I'm saying? But what happened was I pressed the send button and actually I met pastor Daniels, pastor Benjamin. So he's like my mentor's mentor. And I met him in February and I remember I, I was listening to Pastor Daniels. He's like such a wise man. And literally when we were there, it was so funny. On 4th of July, we went to his house and he was sitting on the sofa and it was me, Lisa, and Marcus all sitting at his feet. And, and it's almost like Lisa was like this. And Marcus and I were on our iPhones, like trying to type in as much notes. He's just a man of wisdom. And so I, I met him before in February. And when I met him, I said, you know what, Pastor Daniels, I'm so jealous of Pastor Sonny and Pastor Benjamin. He was like, Why? And I was like, because you live like 15 minutes away. So if they have something that they're going through, they could just call you and you can just meet up with them. And, and you, they have just this access to you. But see, my situation is I live in Korea and they live in San Francisco. Therefore, I can't do that. He was like, no daughter of God. <laughs> he said, in the spirit, there is no distance. And I was like, yeah. And I walked him. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I was like, hey. I was like, oh, Pastor Daniels, that's a word of the Lord. I wonder what that means. There's, <laughs> what is it? Huh? And I was like, oh, no. Okay. So when I pressed that send button for my email, I remember hearing Pastor Daniels say that. And he said, there's no distance in the spirit. 
And I was like, oh, snap. If there's no distance in the spirit, then the truth is I actually have access to Pastor Sunny's wisdom like right now. I actually don't need to wait for her email response. I don't even need to meet with her face-to-face to get her to cover me because I'm fully covered even right now. And I just began to believe that. Now, the moment I believed that, what happened is I heard the voice of Pastor Sunny speaking to me. And she began to speak to me the things that she just said in passing during my time in California. I was remembering the words that she was saying, and actually those words completely shifted me out of that place of deception. Because her and Pastor, anybody that's in marriage understands that we can fall into deception all the time with our marriage. Because, I mean, the devil's out to cause division between something that, honestly, he can't separate. But he's trying to convince you that he can. He's trying to give you the faith. that you, He's trying to get you to put faith in him that he can bring division into your marriage. And so I was almost believing in the devil that he can bring division. And then just past the sunny, her voice just began to speak to me and just began to speak the truth. Just things that she said while she was driving us to the office. I just, it just all came flooding back and boom, I shifted in the spirit. And in the moment I set my mind on the truth and I was like, you know what? No, my husband cares. He cares. You know what? In fact, he, he knows that he needs what I have to say. Sometimes he values what I have to say. He, he values me and my opinions. He loves me. He cares for me. We are one. And I would just begin to declare, and I just set my mind on that. And then I made my thoughts come into submission to the, to, to that thinking. And then all of a sudden, my emotions submitted to that. And now when I saw him, I was like, oh, like, <laughs> hey, boo. You know, like, just, I just, all of a sudden, my emo- I, emotionally, I was able to connect with him again. I felt connected. You know, and then we went to Japan, had an incredible time in Japan together. And then after that, we celebrated our three-year anniversary. And before we celebrated our three-year anniversary, we had this date. Monday is usually date night. And man, date was awesome. It was like we were dating again. You know, like when you date and you just like talk for hours and hours and you're like, <laughs> you know, like you can't get enough of what they have to say. And, and it's just so like, literally we just, it was like that. The date was so much fun. It was so, it was so deep what we were talking about. We were connecting on such a deep, deep level. You know, what changed the circumstance was when I changed where I put my mind. When I shifted in the spirit, my emotions began to follow that. And as my emotions followed that, the way that I operate, even interacted with him, began to change. And then all of a sudden, we were hitting just new places of intimacy. But what we do is we stay in the flesh and we say, you know what? I feel like we're not connecting. And then we, well, that's truth now. And then we just stay there and your circumstances don't change then. And then we say, God, where are you? We ask for a miracle when we're in the flesh, but God's saying he doesn't set people free in the flesh. He gets you to get set free when you shift in the spirit. That's where you're free. That's where freedom is. Now, what happened was two and a half weeks later, I, I Facebooked Pastor Benjamin, Pastor Sonny. I told them what happened. And then Pastor Sonny was like, what email? And I was like, oh, you know that email I sent to your Yahoo account? Long story short, I sent it to the wrong account. She never got my email. But I almost thought it was just perfect. 
in fact, that's exactly what needed to happen because I didn't even need her response. I already knew what she has already spoken into my life. Then rather than being bitter at her and feeling unloved by her and feeling like she doesn't care for me or she's too busy for me, not for a single moment did I entertain that. But the moment I pressed that send button, I just knew, man, she loves me. She cares for me. The things that are heavy on my heart concerns her. But how many of us, we email our small group leaders or we email Pastor Christian and we don't get a response for one month, two months, three months, four months. And all of a sudden we've convinced ourselves that Pastor Christian does not love us. And we're like, you know what? And then we see him at church and we're like, oh, hi, Pastor Christian. And you, you bitter and you're in unforgiveness and you convince yourself that he doesn't care about you because, oh, 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 he didn't hug me today. You know, you let your circumstances dictate what's true and what's not true when everything that we do and sow into this ministry is an expression of our love for you. You know, sometimes the emails that you send him when you need answers, he actually preached the answer on a, on a Sunday message. You know what I'm saying? And basically all you need to do is listen to the podcast and then you'll be set free. Come on now. I've had to respond to so many emails. And when I respond to emails, I'm basically saying the same things over. It's like I have to re-preach a message that I preached maybe a month ago or two weeks ago. And I'm like, well, you know what? Um, you know what you need to do is shift in the spirit and not set your mind on the things. of. The, and, and it's just like, come on, you, could, you didn't even need my response to shift. The answer was already preached to you, given to you as your inheritance through the pulpit. You know, we need to just shift our minds and set them on the truth. Facts change. Truth remains. Fact is you feel sick. I get that. But truth is you're healed. Fact is you feel disconnected. I get that. But truth is we are one in the spirit. We're one body where Christ is the head and the devil, he's under our feet. That is the truth. If we engage in this understanding, man, we would be so much more victorious. But so many of us, we live these lives of defeat because we put more faith in the devil than we do in Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You know, another way that you need to shift into the spirit is not just your identity. It's not just in your relationships. Actually, let me go back to relationships. Some of you guys are in friendships where you're still in so much hurt and pain. You walk in church feeling rejected and therefore you just exude rejection. And then when people don't talk to you, you just continue to feel rejected. Or, you know what? I'm not part of this family. And that's the truth that you set on your mind. I'm telling you, whatever you put your mind and agree is true is what's going to manifest in your life. Now, if you want to see acceptance manifest in your life, you need to set your mind on the truth that you're already accepted. That in the spirit, man, there's actually no rejection. In fact, you were never rejected in the spirit because when you were born into the spirit, God never rejected you. But we wear our our hurts like badges. And rather than waving the Korean flag, we wave the victim flag. Hey, 
I'm a victim. And, and we just claim that that's our country and that's who we are and that's where we come from. And that's where we'll forever be and that's where our loyalty is as a victim. Listen, you are not a victim. You are not a victim. I don't care what you've been through. I've been through some stuff too. I don't care how serious of things that you've been through. I don't care how hard it's been for you. All I know is that what the word of God says is way more powerful. That when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the full price. And I'm pretty sure his blood is more powerful than anything that you've experienced. But we cheapen the blood when we say, no, I'm going to stay in this victim place. It says in Isaiah chapter 53, is it 54 53? 53. 53 that, see, Jesus, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brings us peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. I'm talking about the power of what Jesus did on the way to the cross, on the cross, and when he resurrected from the cross, outweighs anything that we experience. If we believe that and set our minds on that, we would live victorious lives. And even in relationships, that place where you feel afraid to be vulnerable because you don't want to get hurt, shift into the spirit. Those relationships that you have with family members and you just completely given up on them, shift into the spirit. We are called for intimacy. And you know, the truth is intimacy requires faith. It really does. Come on, turn to your neighbor. Say it one more time. Shift into the spirit. And the third way we can shift into the spirit is in regards to our circumstances. You know, we talked about identity. We talked about relationally. It's so easy for us to get hurt and stay there and then wallow me. But it's also easy to get really discouraged by our circumstances, isn't it? You know, you ever have a day where you lost your wallet? And all, everything that you need and that ARC that took months to get is now lost somewhere. You ever lose your passport? You ever lose your favorite pair of shoes? Come on, these shoes I lost. Look how cute that is. That's, that just, that just grieved me for a long time. That's a, that's a powerful testimony right there. I'll share about it another time, but... You know, there are situations, circumstances that happen where the devil, his aim is to steal your joy. He's out to mess your mind up. So he's going to put you in circumstances and situations, and you're going to have a choice. Am I going to stay in the place where I'm going to set my mind on the fact that God is good all the time? Or am I just going to be really annoyed that my wallet just got stolen? Man, one of the times my, my wallet got stolen when I was living in Tongdaemun. Uh, and it was right before I think I was going to Cambodia missions, my first mission trips. You know that always happens when you're doing something for the Lord? I don't know. That's just my thought. Shady devil. And so I lost my wallet. And I just remember just being so, like, discouraged. But then people were like, oh, you're going to find it again. I'm like, well, you don't know me. No. <laughs> I'm a nice person now. <laughs> um, no, but you know, you would, I would lose my wallet. If you were to lose your wallet and you began to just believe that I'm going to let the devil steal my joy, not for the day, but for the week, because I'm just so annoyed that my, lo- my wallet was lost. You ever lose something and then it reappears and then you're like, oh dang, here it is. 
And you're like, oh, I guess the wallet was always there. But the devil still succeeded in stealing something. He stole your joy for the whole week. He stole your peace for the whole week. The wallet may have showed up again, but he still was successful. It's so much power when we just shift in the spirit. Oh, wallet's gone. You know what? It's not going to phase me. It's not going to steal my joy. I'm going to have an awesome day, no matter what. This day is going to go well. My teaching, these students, going to go good. You know, when you have something annoying, go, you know, something annoying happens, and then all of a sudden when you're teaching your kids, they're just, all of them are so annoying. Oh, no, you guys all looked at me like I'm terrible. You never had... <laughs> Liars. You know, but it's so easy. When we shift into the mindset of defeat, we actually perpetuate more negative things happening. When you put your mind on the things to the flesh, the result, it says, is death. But when you put and set your mind on the things of the spirit, what naturally is going to happen is life and peace. Some of you are feeling restlessness, but it's actually not because you're not getting enough rest. It's because your mind has been in the flesh. Because if you were to shift into the spirit, man, fullness of joy, fullness of rest. Paul and Silas got their butts whooped and they were beaten and then thrown into jail, chained up in the prison cell. And, you know, the prison wasn't this like, oh, it's just an empty room with that stanky toilet in the corner. When we're talking about prison in biblical times, I'm talking about straight up ghetto. Like, I can't even imagine, but if you were to just picture like the, the worst situation, circumstance, you ever been to a really grimy bathroom? Like nasty, not just expand that bathroom a little bit wider. And imagine sitting on the floor in that bathroom, chained in that bathroom, and that being your prison cell, while you have open sores all over your body. Now, they were chained up. They were locked up. Paul and Silas in prison. And you know what? I can imagine in the beginning, they just had the temptation to feel so discouraged. Man, physically, they were experiencing pain. They probably had so much temptation to shift into the truth that truth is I'm in pain. Truth is I'm injured and I'm in a rotting prison cell with you. <laughs> you know, I can imagine just the, the weight. So how it could have been so easy for them to just play victim. Man, God, I'm preaching your gospel. What's up with that? How am I here in prison? That's what's. Huh? This is all your fault. Just shifting the blame on God. I can just imagine the temptation could have been so strong. But it says in the word that what they did was they began to rejoice and sing. You know, I bet when they first started singing, it wasn't like, hallelujah. It's probably like, hallelujah. Ow. Hallelujah. Ow. Stop touching me, man. Hallelujah. You know, I just can't imagine that it just took maybe one song or two songs. For them to just, you know what, I'm going to push through. No, even though I feel this way, I'm not going to let my emotions dictate whether I'm going to worship God or not. I'm just going to worship him because I know my emotions are going to follow. And probably by the second song or third song, when they're singing the hallelujah and everybody at the prison cell just staring at them, all of a sudden, probably the joy of the Lord flooded their spirit. You know, have you ever walked into church completely discouraged? You had a terrible week. 
or something bad happened just before you came to church. Or you talked to your mom on the phone and she just right before church. And you come and you're just like, oh, and then you sing that first worship song. And you're like, glory, 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 glory. And you know what? You're just in the beginning. You don't feel like it. But just as you keep singing, all of a sudden, you just feel yourself just shifting into another place. Or just that joy just returns. And all of a sudden, that anxiety that was taken from you, just all, it's all peace just happens. You know what I'm talking about? See, they didn't let, I, I'm pretty sure that emotionally, they didn't feel like worshiping God at that moment. But they did it. They set their mind on the things of the Spirit and knew that even though they were in prison, everything was okay. Rather than believing the truth that, oh my gosh, we're going to rot here forever. Can you imagine what kind of lies were coming at them at that very moment? Now, when they began to worship, when you begin to shift into the Spirit, what actually happens is you access the supernatural powers of God. When you want to see healing in your life, you got to shift your mind to the things of the spirit. If you want to see supernatural breakthrough in your family, you need to shift your mind to the things of the spirit. If you want to see an economic breakthrough in your life, you need to first shift your mind to the things of the spirit and then watch how everything will change around you. They shifted their mind first and then an earthquake came. And not only were they able to be set free from their prison cell, but everybody that was in that same prison were set free. You shift your mind and you access the supernatural. Shifting in the circumstances. We need to learn how to shift into our spirit. To shift into our spirit. Now, it's a weighty word what I'm saying, because basically what I'm telling you is you have no more excuses. You have no more excuses to complain. You have no more excuses to feel defeated. You have no more excuses to feel like all life is going wrong. Honestly, if you believe that, you're believing in the wrong thing. Now you know that you have a supernatural power and ability to shift above your circumstances, above your behavior, above how you feel, above your relationships and the way that they look right now, and access the very fullness that we have in the Spirit. It's time that we stop waving our victim card around. You know, when we're crying out victim and complaining about what has happened to us, we really forget what happened to Jesus. We really disregard the price that he already paid. He paid it all. Amen. I want you to just close your eyes. And I just feel like there are things that your mind has been set on that actually does not come into agreement with what the word of God says. Maybe it's your identity and you are just so stuck in the place that what you're struggling with is who you are. 
that the fact that you can't get yourself to read your Bible or to pray every day like you know a good quote-unquote Christian is supposed to do, you allow yourself to believe that you're just, you know what, I'm just not a good believer then. I suck at being a Christian. I used to say that all the time. I suck at being a Christian. It might be your identity and the fact that you label yourself as the hurt one. My identity is one that's been hurt. And even the way that you relate to people in the house of God, the way that you relate to people outside of the church is still as one that's in hurt. And you've convinced yourself that that's what's true. I want to give you an opportunity today to shift into the spirit. To shift your mind on the things of the spirit. To believe that the healing power of God is actually greater than all your hurts. Greater than all the difficult circumstances that you faced and even are facing today. Come on, let's just shift in the spirit right now. And what I want us to do is just begin to thank him. Just begin to praise him. Just like Paul and Silas said, I'm not asking you to do it because you feel like it. I'm telling you, do it because you know that that's what's true. You know, when uh, my one of the living water nights where Build Hope International came and ministered, one of my Emmaus students, he's Malaysian. And he came up to the altar call. And one of the living water team members began to pray over him in tongues. And he just began to just get blasted. And later he told that Living Water team member, you know what? You were speaking in Malaysian when you were praying over me. And he was saying, what? What was I saying? And he said, you were saying one thing over and over again. Thank you. 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 Over and over and over again in Malaysian. Over Jensen. Over this brother. You know, the spirit of thanksgiving, man, that's a key to shift into the spirit right there. I want you to just shift out of the spirit of complaining. Everything you've been complaining about. Bill Johnson says it like this, complaining is to the devil what praises to God. It's time we stop worshiping what the devil's been doing in our lives. So I want us to just literally just take this time and I want you to be extravagant. Sing a new song, sing a song you know. Do whatever you want, pray, pray out loud. But I want you to give thanks. And I want you to release the spirit of thanksgiving all across this room. So that this whole body, as one, we can shift into the spirit. Come on, let's just begin to just worship God. Yeah, God, we just worship you, Lord. God, we just give thanks. God, for all that we have, for all that we are, for all that you have done, we give thanks.